Hey everybody, welcome to the Musea Podcast. This is episode number 26, and I'm Michael Howard, the CEO of Musea. For this episode, I have the honor of talking with John Dolan and Holger Thoss. These are two photographers that are in New York, uh, and they've been photographing many different things in their life, and one of the things they do photograph is weddings. Um, they've been doing that for over two decades, and uh, I could not be more excited to have them at the Musea Gathering. Uh, I know they're probably not the most household name, but that's part of the reason I invited them to the gathering, because I wanted to invite photographers that respect the craft, that have just kept their head down, and just work. They're not there to play the industry games or to get famous in any sort of way. They just want to make good, solid photographs, and they've been doing this for over two decades, uh, at least within weddings. And so I, they are probably the two of the most people I'm excited about having at the gathering, in all honesty, just because of the wisdom um, and the experience that they can bring um, that nobody else uh, is, is brings really at the gathering. Um, so I hope that you will just take the time um, to kind of reflect and listen to what they have to say in this podcast. Uh, we talk about a lot of great things. Um, some of the things we talk about are why they even decided to get involved with the museum gathering. I emailed them and I was just blown away that they would even get involved uh, with something like this. Um, we talk about you know their approach to photographing weddings um, individually. Um, we also talk about their personal work and we talk a lot about why uh, they've avoided the wedding industry um, for so long kind of throughout their career. So just to give you a quick sample of their experience that they have, um, John Dolan for example, some of the people that he's worked with are um, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett shot their wedding. He's worked with um, Ben Stiller, um, Jerry Seinfeld. Some of his commercial clients include American Express, Tiffany & Company, Self Magazine, Martha Stewart Weddings, InStyle Magazine, and Lexus. So not only is he a great um, wedding photographer, but he also does a lot of great editorial and commercial work. Uh, Holger Thoss is a great, great photographer. He does a lot of uh, panoramic stuff, which is extremely unique. He also really loves printmaking and bookbinding, and he even started a printmaking studio in Brooklyn called Pacific Third Studio, and there um, they make photographic prints and unique photo books. Uh, his printmaking experience uh, goes all the way back to his days when he worked um, at Magnum Photos and Aperture. Uh, so both of them are extremely experienced. They understand the history of photography extremely well, and they work for some very respected companies uh, throughout their careers. So I hope you will um, learn a lot from them during this podcast, and I really hope that you will consider going to their workshop uh, at the Museum Gathering. So thank you so much for listening as always, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hello. Hey, Michael. How are you? Hello. Good. John Holger, it's nice to talk to you guys. Yeah, great to talk to you. Well, I guess first, uh, just give me a quick breakdown. We don't have to go into a really long, drawn-out history, but yeah. I would like to know for each of you uh, how you got started, uh, just your history of photography and all that. I've, I started, uh, I was one of those lucky kids to find it early uh, when I was in high school. Uh, and once I got it, I realized it was a photography was a perfect thing for me because I was into collecting things. <clears throat> so as a kid, I was into collecting baseball cards and things. And I realized soon after photography is a, a, a different form of collecting. Mm. So I right into uh, in the middle of high school, I got into sports photography, went to college and got turned inside out by a, a professor at my college uh, into a different sort of photographer. But um, it was that early thing of, of learning that uh, I was collecting moments and uh, it was a, a skill that I had. So how about you? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I um, you know, I'm German and in Germany you have to, well, you used to do uh, a military time as part of, you know, your service 
And um, during that time, I realized that I really want to do something in my life. I'm, I'm really behind it. And so I decided, you know, I want to become a photographer. And I've never really done photography before that, but it was kind of uh, probably inspired mostly by like National Geographic. And, um, and I was always interested in journalism, but I can't really write. So I thought, okay, photography. And so I started working as, a, as an assistant at a commercial studio in Cologne. And then um, got an internship at Aperture New York, came here, and never left. And so that was kind of how I got into it. Nice. So since we're doing audio, we'll just say that uh, Holger is the guy with the accent <laughs> for people listening. Yes. <laughs> On the radio, I could always say, Holger talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm excited that both of you uh, are obviously coming to the gathering, and you're a part of that. And so I would love to hear real quick just a little bit about why you decided to become involved with it because it's something that when you guys agreed to it, it just blew me away, and I'm completely honored that you would uh, do that. Well, I think the basic thesis you have is really astounding to try to, uh, to gather people to talk about ideas instead of products is a, a really interesting thing, and that caught me initially. Um, I think that for so long, the wedding industrial complex has taken over things, and we've always been on the outside of that. Uh, Holger and I work separately. We share an office. We've shared an office for 15 years, but we've always had separate businesses. But we've shared a a, a, a different approach to weddings for all these years, um, and uh, we've always maintain that we're photographers who shoot weddings rather than wedding photographers. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it seemed to me when I got your first uh, email that you were, you, you got it. You understood that there's more to photography than the, the business. And, and <clears throat> one thing, um, when we got the studio together, there was also um, our friend Philippe, that's the third person, Philippe Chang. Um, and we got the space together knowing that we're going to have independent businesses, but we're going to share resources. And then rather than fighting each other, um, you know, we knew that we're going to be stronger sharing and, and, you know, working together to a certain degree, but still, you know, being independent and doing our own thing. Mm -hmm. And it had, you know, it it worked out really great. And I think it had a lot of people were kind of surprised by it, especially our clients, art directors, art buyers, photo editors, that this could work, you know, because New York is so competitive and you're so suspicious of other photographers because you want to get that job that you kind of keep to yourself. Um, but, yeah, we learned, we did learn early that, uh, that in the wedding world, there's a perfect photographer for each bride. And so we would often pass the bride on to each other. So... Philippe would get the New York City brides, and Holger would get the architects, and I'd get the country brides, and <laughs> divided up. And we had a great little gimmick, which was uh, whichever one of us actually got the wedding, we'd have to buy the other two guys lunch. So, nice. So, <laughs> so everybody, everybody was happy. Win, win, win. Because yeah. a lot of couples would come in and see all three of us, and it, it's an open space, so um, you know we all had to have this you know, feeling that, you know, whoever gets it, they get it for the right reasons. And, you know, so we're happy for them, and I'm happy I didn't get it because it would be the wrong bride for me. Right. And, and it actually kind of worked. Well, I also think it's, it's kind of what your gathering is about. The wedding world is less competitive than the magazine world or certainly the advertising world. It's more collegial, and um, wedding photographers seem to me to be more supportive of each each other and it's a nice community even though we're under the radar but it's it's uh i think that's what the ideal of what you're bringing together could be really and i have to throw in that uh, actually how i met john was because there's this kind of he basically started a support group for wedding photographers early on like you know because it was it's there's a stigma there was the stigma of it and it was it was also hard to shoot weddings you know we wanted to do it differently we wanted to do you know we wanted to be photographers that photograph weddings and you know 
for us, it was like the concept of a wedding photographer, I don't think was something we were comfortable with at that time. And so, um, can I need a little history? Yes. There's a, <laughs> a short history of the New York wedding world, which is, um, it was, it was basically the same crew for a long time of, of the old studios all through the 80s and 70s and 80s and mid-90s. Uh, a few people, I'd say there were four or five people started doing weddings differently. And uh, the real trigger for me was when the New York Times started doing the vows column. And that was uh, Ed Keating was a photographer who had that column every Saturday with a very different sort of picture. Uh, and around that same time, Martha Stewart started her new wedding magazine, which was really groundbreaking. And it was, uh, it was coming up against brides, which was very traditional at that time. And those two things, the Martha Stewart and the New York Times, really opened things up for a lot of uh, brides to be able to show their mothers saying, look, this is cool. This is what's happening now. We don't have to hire it's the different. main studio. Uh, so that was really the trigger for, for me. I was in that first Martha wedding issue, and I had my name in the back in very small type and my phone number, and I got at least 50 calls in the first week just Jeez. for mention. So uh, it was groundbreaking, and it just led the way uh, for things to become what they are now. Um, but it's, uh, so there's also a funny story of how I met Holger and Philippe. Uh, I was at a, a party at a gallery up, up town and there were a lot of photographers from ICP, the International Center of Photography, who were hardcore photojournalists. And I was in the kitchen of this place and I'm talking to this guy, Philippe, and he sort of secretly whispered to me that he shoots weddings. <laughs> Not something you'd say in that crowd, and I admit it, I did too. Uh, <laughs> and you know, that night I was uh, talking to some guys who had just come back from shooting in Nicaragua and in Bosnia, and they turned to me and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I just shot Will Smith's wedding and uh, a few others, and, and they started handing me their business cards at the end of the night. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was going right into the belly of the beast to, how it was kind of a low-class thing to do, to be shooting weddings in, in those days. Yeah. Do you think it's improved at all? Because I'm not... I still think there's kind of a stigma there. It has definitely changed. I think that yeah. when Photo District News actually started their annual wedding issue, you know, they put so much emphasis on there's a different way of doing it now, and, you know, mm -hmm. they're really cool shooting weddings, and, you know, it's something photographers really should look at and not look down at. And I, I do think that changed a lot. Um, well, the fact that there's... How long has WPPI been going? I don't even know. Oh, I don't know. Probably, I'm totally guessing, like maybe eight years, maybe a decade. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, so things have changed in the last 10 years a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, there's a huge amount, a huge number of people who've realized that you can make a healthy living doing weddings. I think there's a there's a trap to it too, but we can get into that later. Well, yeah. and I think that that you know we started doing weddings not because that was a great way of doing a li living. It was a great challenge. Um, I mean, I think we all started you know shooting our first weddings because friends asked us like, can you shoot you know my sister's wedding or can you shoot my wedding? Because we don't want the kind of traditional wedding photographer and. You know, and I, I think we all were kind of amazed at some of the results because there were some really great pictures and it was a really great experience being there in this kind of very intense environment and it's all yours. Yeah. You know, it's like this amazing stage and and then you have this instant gratification when you actually give the the pictures to the bride, to the couple and, and they love them and they mean so much to them. You know, it's very different than going to a magazine and, and delivering a job and it's it's just something that had that you know had a very different feel to it. Well, I I my funny thing was that I would go to magazines showing my portfolio around, and the photo ed editor would say, 
you know, I, I don't have any assignments right now, but I'm getting married next week <laughs> or next summer. And I got my greatest weddings uh, from photo editors and art directors and writers of magazines because they cared about pictures. And they were desperate not to hire some cheesy small town guy or cheesy big city guy. I liked it better when the uh, photo editor said, okay, we're going to, you know, I want you to do these two assignments. Right. What I really want to talk about is my wedding now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that ideal. Thing that, uh, when you make the aesthetic, uh, aesthetic match with somebody, when somebody gets what you do and hires you to do that, then you win the prize. And when you uh, are hired to do what you do and not have to go through a shot list or something like that. So, People would say, "Just do your, come to my wedding, do your thing," and uh, that was fantastic, fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just real quick, what are uh, what are you going to be teaching at the workshop? I know we did a little blur, but just like kind of a two minute explanation of what you're going to be talking about. Well, I think you know one because you know we've been doing these workshops at ICP and. Um, and like doing this is very important to us because, you know, one aspect of it is to kind of help people figure out how they're going to make it their own. You know, it's like, what do you bring to it and how do you can make this your own? It's not a workshop about, you know, how does John Dolan shoot a wedding and, and how are you going to work like that? It's, it's about, you know, what's your inner strength? What's, what's your voice and how can you really bring that out. I think that's, um, and I think we want to, we, we like to talk to people in the broad way about what they're really doing. What is the point of, of, uh, the, the pictures you're making at a wedding? Um, and we, we tend to try to shake people up a little bit and question what you're doing. And, um, that's why we, we kind of think about going, very close up into people's pictures, but also taking a wider view and saying, what is the historical point of these pictures? What's your responsibility when you're doing a wedding? Um, and I think really what we do is, is something more classic and more, uh, our philosophy is that these pictures are not for now, not for a blog next week, but for 50 years from now, uh, you want pictures that will last and be these historical documents. So John has a really great way of actually putting it in context, looking at the history of photography. And, you know, like we usually start traveling back first and and, and looking at great pictures. And, you know, and and so many of them are so timeless. Mm. And, And then, you know, and then everybody realizes this is not a very small place. This is a huge universe. And, and it's, um, there's a lot out there to to look, to take in, and then to kind of start from there. Yeah. <clears throat> so when what was the what year was your first wedding? Like each of you, is wanting to know context wise. You want to date us now? Ah, <laughs> oh, come yes, I do. I think it's important. I do. <laughs> this is a very you tricky... mean you mean paid yeah. wedding? Ah, I was no. very very young when I did. <laughs> Like we're kids, <laughs> or uh, yeah. I shot my brother's wedding. I was the best man, and uh, I think I was, I think I was nineteen eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Okay. Okay. Good. Hey, I, I actually, um, after I did this internship at Aperture here, and and then I went to ICP for one year. I, I worked for Magnum for two years basically running the darkroom and do a lot of printing. And so that, that was in 1990. And I had a friend there who um, asked me to shoot her sister's wedding. Who said, you know, I, I was one. That was it. Well, I think it was, yeah, it was in 1990 or 1991. Yeah, I would actually say I don't think I got paid for a wedding till 1990 or 91. Okay. And, and so that was the first wedding I ever went to. I, I never went to a wedding. <laughs> I wanted to photograph it and, you know, working at Magnum at that time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make this my photo essay. You know, I'm going to go for it. And that's what she wanted. 
and um, and it, it was a it was a great thing. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because most people that I am friends with or I talk to or just in industry or whatever, I mean, the longest usually people I've talked, to, you know, they've been around. May, they've been shooting maybe ten years, and there's a lot, a lot of people that are like five years or less. We, we've realized. You know? Yeah. So. But I think this is great. That's why one of the reasons I'm like pumped that <laughs> you guys are you know here and doing this, um, is because you guys just have a broader view, you know, of the industry in general, like where it's been, uh, and even the you know, and then when digital hit and how it's changed, and especially dealing with clients and their expectations maybe of how they've changed the past twenty years. Because um, you know, my initial thought is like, well, how do you how do you deal with clients now that uh, with you know, with digital, it seems like everybody wants more of the immediate satisfaction. They want um, a lot of people just want like the disc and that's, that's actually, it. Um, you know, there's always that common challenge when when you see a bride or see a couple, and they have certain perceptions, they have certain ideas, certain expectations, and they don't always align with how you work. And so you have to kind of, you know, really honestly. And truthfully explain to them this is how I do things and this is why I do it and and I think you know for me this works and and so that they can really understand what you do and make that decision if you're the right one or not well our, our take on it is that every time you meet a bride you're choosing you you are choosing her as much as she's choosing you mm-hmm. so all our years of doing this do you agree on this yes absolutely. Uh, th- that um, that the first meeting with a bride, it's really a, to, to get that sense of whether you're the right photographer for them and they're the right bride for you. So I can usually tell within the first 15 minutes whether it's a go or not um, uh, as, as far as whether they get my pictures and whether I get them as a bride. And, and I think you know, one very important point there is, you know, because you brought up digital, brides think about this. They should not think about, is it digital? Is it film? They should look at the pictures and the pictures right. are great. It does not matter. You know, it's like I had one experience with a client and she was obviously not the right one. And, you know, it was a referral to a friend and I don't know how it happened, but she wanted me to bring my cameras to the first meeting. And I'm like, <laughs> why? I, I, I can't do that. That doesn't, you know, it's not how it works for me. And she got really upset at me and didn't hire me, of course. And it would have been not. So, well, I, I think it's such a, a, a relationship of trust and a leap of faith when people hire you. It's, it's, I mean, you are a key player in the wedding. And if people are nitpicking at the first meeting, that's a warning sign to me. But if you can set a, a sense of trust and uh, a meeting of the minds, then that's the beginning of that whole relationship. Because, uh, you know, I like to uh, I like to be the easiest thing on somebody's list. Once they hire me, it's, it's, there's nothing else to do. Uh, but once they gain, once I am trusted by them, how do I put that? Once they gain my trust, you know, the opposite. <laughs> anyway, once yeah. they... <laughs> Trust me, then the relationship is a go. They trust me to make my pictures. They trust that I'll show up and that I'll do a, be a good business person. But I can't. You, you have to. It has to be a deeper relationship than you know, based on contracts and things. And, and then you know, they really have to be excited. Yeah. You know, after they meet you, if, if there's no excitement, you know, I'm always very, very worried. Not worried, um, but I'm. You know, I think it's not the right client. And I should do everything to kind of double probe and make sure that they're not hiring the wrong person. Or conversely, when it's a good bride, you know, when you get there, they're excited and they've told their friends about you and their friends are, know that the, the group pictures will be fun and that, you know, you're going to be a positive presence at the wedding. That's, that's always the thing for me that uh, you can you can really change the vibe of a wedding by being a jerk or by not being a jerk. That certainly in the early days, we got huge amounts of points because everyone's expectations 
of what a wedding photographer was was so low. They basically, you were car salesman with a camera. And the best compliment I've ever gotten in all, all these years is when somebody came up to me and said, uh, who are you, a cousin? Mm. And I thought, that's it. I've crossed the line and I've, I'm not an outsider, I'm an insider. And uh, so that's always been my goal is to to be part of the party. And I think, you know, you can actually say at weddings, you cannot be a jerk. You cannot be difficult. You know, that's like, that's just, does not work. You know, if you do an advertising job and you're very difficult to deal with, but your pictures are amazing, that's one thing. You can get away with it. But at a wedding, you know, guests say, that guy was really, you know, wrong with him. That's just, that's not good. That cannot, you know, even if the pictures are amazing afterwards. Um, so, So I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, weddings it just has to be. What well, goes under the category of the, that your, how you are as a photographer affects your pictures. So if you're an aggressive, sweaty, hyperactive jerk, then it's going to reflect that. And so we've always had this philosophy of, of not being that way. Yeah. The I, people that I talk to, whether just online or in person, um, they're getting just wedding photographers in general. They're really getting frustrated with the the wedding industry and how it markets itself to brides. There, a lot of photographers I know that really just love the craft of photography are really wanting to produce work. Really, frankly, that you guys have been producing and do produce. They're scared to make that jump because they're afraid that there's not enough clients out there because the wedding industry is so hard and like in their face right now. It's like, I mean, even like you mentioned Martha and Stewart weddings, but it's like some people are starting to get like tired of that. Like they, they're sick of the details and they want it to get back to about the relationships of people. Um, and so how do you think there's enough brides out there that do that for people or how do you, or is there less and less and less now? Well, that, that's the echo chamber that definitely scares me, that uh, brides are looking at blogs and blogs are contacting photographers and asking for details and, uh, and, and then it goes around and around. So the brides are demanding it and the photographers are shooting it and, um, it's, and people are imitating each other and it's just going in this giant circle. So... Uh, I think it's there's a bottom line thing that uh, I think is very important that you. Want to go? I want to. I want to. <laughs> you said you know people feel like it's scary, like yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and they feel like they cannot do really what they want to do, and it is scary. There's no way around it. It's a very scary thing, and you know if if weddings would be comfortable. Um, it, there wouldn't be weddings. <laughs> like it's, well, do you it's mean just, is it is it financially scary? Mostly financially scary because there's it's the competition is like so fierce now. You know, versus you know, 1998, yeah. it was there wasn't as many to deal with. And now everybody is a wedding photographer, and so if you you know to really take like a hard stance on style and like I don't you know I'm not going to deliver like detail focused pictures. I'm one about relationships that. You might cut yourself out of a industry and be able to pay your bills. But, but that's and, and that's where kind of the the bad circle starts. It's like mm-hmm. show you know the the real stuff, the emotions, the, the relationships. And if you shoot it very editorially, and you know you show the stuff and and how it looked and the design, nobody will know that you can do the other stuff. And I think that well, that's the leap. I, I guess what I was going to say, the big point is uh, is money going to drive your career or uh, it's uh, we've always had the challenge of, of staying true to ourselves and feeding our families and it's um, I think this is just the cost of being freelance. You have to be nimble, you have to be uh, courageous and you have to there's, there's no safety net so it's everyone's figuring this out on their own but 
I think if you just imitate everybody else, you're destined for mediocrity. Yeah. So um, it's that, a, it's a, you have to have faith in yourself and really go for it. But because there are a ton of brides, there's a ton of photographers, there's a ton of brides, and hopefully brides will start you know, realizing that there are real pictures to have out there. And, and I think you can actually also approach this from a positive side of saying, okay, there's a lot of people doing this. You know, competition is, is very hard. And, you know, it's like, I'm, how am I going to make a living with this? You know, how am I going to make the certain amount to pay for all my expenses? But you could look at it and say, okay, all of this stuff has a certain look to it. And I'm, you know, and I feel like that I could do better and in, take the high force or whatever it's called. And it's yeah. okay. I'm going to try to prove this, you know, yeah. and that's going to be hard in the beginning. And there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to hire me. But if you actually stop producing these amazing wedding pictures and you're not making enough money, but you're building up, you know, this incredible work that I would say it's then your chances to actually make money with it are going to be pretty good. And you'll be sleep at night. too. But it's, you know, it's scary. (laughs) There's no answer to it. And there's certainly no holy grail of that's how you do it and everything is rosy. It's like, um, yeah, I must say I've been surprised. I, I don't look at a lot of blogs very often, so I don't know, but I haven't seen there be a great next generation revolution of wedding photography. I think there've been a lot of people, um, following a similar approach and, uh, I'm sure somebody's going to totally reinvent the whole thing again. It, you know, every 20 years or 30 years, it, it changes a little bit. And but I think what's happening now and what is great and, and is inspiring is that a lot of people try to do it differently, and and there is a lot of interesting work out there. You know, like when we started, and you looked at you know um, at Martha Stewart at the back and all the ads of wedding photographers, that was not very encouraging. Um, you know, it was, it, um, and so for me, I stayed away from all of this. I never looked at other people's work except, you know, a small group of friends we had shared work, but it was kind of like, it, it, it was too much for me. I couldn't deal with it. So it's like, you know, I do my thing and, and keep your head down. Yeah. And, and just, I don't want to have anything to do with the wedding business because I, I just, it was distracting and I, it was not what I felt like. I, I was inspired by. But what I really liked was cool wedding planners who have a, who had a very different approach to it. And when you worked with them, you could already you, you could see wow they have you know they have the same kind of um, idea about weddings and, and approach and, and they have fun and, and they have you know they want to they're in for the right reason. And that was something that helped me a lot. You know there's also this part of it, Michael, that uh, I've always had weddings as about a Third of my business, so the has been able has what has been the thing to keep it fresh for me. So I do one third weddings, one third magazines, one third advertising or uh, or other commission stuff, and more and more kind of nonprofit stuff too. Uh, where I live, but that that's each job informs the next. So the wedding stuff helps my magazine work or helps my ad work because it makes me nimble and be able to deal with any sort of personalities and the fashion work helps the weddings and so that loop has always been really healthy for me so I would also say for people if you're if you're getting frustrated by the wedding world you try to branch out into other things and not rely solely on weddings for your but also refresh weddings that way. Right. And, you know, we always thought weddings are a great training ground. Right. You know? It's like you learn so much and yeah, and like it, 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 it will help you in, in every other field. And, and, and there, I guess you have to think out of the box. It's like, you know, you can, like John is a great example of somebody who does ad work, editorial and weddings and it all works. You know, it's not like, Oh no, I'm too good for weddings. You know, I'm just only shooting advertising and fashion and, it, it um, you know, so it, it's 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 a lot attitude. It's like, what what is your view of it? You know, how do you see it? Is is are you too good for weddings, or you know? Yeah. Uh, 
do both of you like your approach to weddings? It is your when you go into shoot a wedding. You know, is your goal to produce like twenty five to fifty great images, and then not, and then you know that's like it. Versus there seems to be a lot of pressure from a lot of clients that like they want six hundred solid images. You know, they kind of want six hundred like okay images versus like twenty five like amazing images. Does that make sense? Yeah. Go on. Um, yeah, this was a big realization I had years ago, which is people need fewer and fewer pictures. Yeah. So I, I, I make this point to my clients right, right from the start that we have an overpopulation of pictures and people are flooded with it. And after your wedding, you're not going to be able to deal with it. So, uh, keep it simple. And, and the, when I get the good clients, they know I'm aiming for 12 pictures or whatever it is. I'm aiming for the, the gems. And along the way, I'm going to get all the other pictures. But if I don't aim high, if I aim low, I'm never going to reach for the good ones. So it's very important for me to have that sign off from people to go for it. And um, I've done it long enough where I know how to please the mother of the bride because she's the most important. <laughs> you mess that one up, you're dead. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I can cover everything without too much thought, but I have to know that my real goal is uh, are the top gems. Um, the other thing, my philosophy when I go to a wedding is I walk in as a, uh, a uh, in my mind, I think of it as a neutron, where I'm not charged particle, I'm either positive or negative. I go in very kind of empty and I let the wedding fill me up. And that's just an incredible process where you try to not go in with um, any preconceptions or you know, notions of who these people are or why they, did, why they designed their wedding this way. And then you really let the event just completely, uh, you're open to whatever happens at the event. So that's my basic approach. And, you know, there's... Um there's two things to it and because it, the first thing again is like really, you know, making clear to your potential client is what you do and what's it about. And, you know, making, showing them that, you know, 30 great pictures are so much more important than 600 mediocre pictures. And, but you have to make it clear. It has to be sad. It can't be just something left up in the air and then you do your thing and you end up with these amazing pictures, but the bride's going to be like, but where's this, where's that? And, and there's, there's nothing worse than getting that phone call or email of a disappointed bride. I mean, that is, <clears throat> that is just the worst. So, because you can't do anything about it. Yeah. And we've all had those. And you know what? Some people just, you do, you have to be able to walk away saying, I did my best. I made the pictures I could. And, I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, the second part to this is, um, you know, I had this great um, the New York Times photographer Angel Franco did a workshop at ICP that I took during the one year program I did there, and he talked all about it's you know photography is a dance. There's rhythm. You and and, and that's how I feel it's at a wedding. You know, you enter and you dance and you shoot whatever feels right. There's nothing you can really force like mm. you know it's it's okay if you take control and you do your thing but i i feel most of the times it's it's what's happening and you have to be open for it to see it and you take the picture but you can't create something that's not there and so the control is much more about you know listening and and and, and watching and being open and being there and being part of the dance and having the rhythm and that's then kind of decides how many great pictures you, you, you get. You know, maybe sometimes it's 30, sometimes it's 90. Um, but you can't force, you can't have a shot list of like these are the, you know, 60 images I want to get. Yeah. And it's just... We would ne I would never, if a bride gave me a shot list, I would look at her and say, I can't read this and be in the moment at the same time. So you got to choose. And uh, uh, I mean, I think that's definitely a 
a dangerous thing when brides read so many articles about all, all the things they should say to their photographer. You know, I tell people, uh, uh, I'm going to shoot enough where I'm going to get great pictures of everybody. And, but if there's somebody who just flew in from Singapore or from Braslava, you know, let me know. But for the most part, I can judge by the size of the hug or the reaction when you see this person running into the reception. You know, that's an important person. So if you're an awake photographer and observant, you can figure out most of those things. And I call it the wish list, not the shot list. Like, give me a wish list. Give me the stuff that you... If you read it during the wedding? No, during the wedding, beforehand. Because there could be certain things that I'm not aware of. Right. And, you know, yeah. I want to miss but I also will tell right, that, you know, I, I'm going to be so busy following the key players and really kind of getting the essential stuff that certain stuff will, I will miss, you know, because I can't, there's no way of doing. So, and you know, for the most part, are, we're the only ones who will know really what we missed and how good things could have been. If the picture right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. Um, <laughs> That's funny. The let's try to think. So, John, are you shooting? I look at your website. Is it all square format in terms of a wedding, for the most part? I use a bunch of different cameras, but I I shoot ninety eight percent film at a wedding and uh, some square, some six four five, some six seven, some thirty five. It's not a way I would recommend anybody trying. <laughs> it's. I mean, I have ca cameras in different bags, and I instinctively grab one. They kind of call out at different times, and I have uh, different cameras I put to bed when it gets dark. And so it's just a, a system that I've worked with over the years. And there's a fair bit of um, chaos that I kind of like. Uh, keeps I, I like shooting a little bit off balance, so it freaks people out when they if I have an assistant with me, the way I do it, but it's just the way I do it. Nice. And then, Hol so, and then Holger, are you, because you, you obviously have a lot of the panoramic stuff. Yeah, and the panoramic stuff is not wedding, so that's, you know, that's... Um, it used to be. I've seen a couple weddings. Yeah, 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 of course. Well, because sure. I do these family panoramas now, and so I see them as... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, but I, I used to shoot a lot with a wide lux, so, you know, the panoramic 35 millimeter camera, the wide lux, and um, that was film. And um, and then, you know, I, I shoot with Leica's film, but then when digital started, I um, it was actually very easy for me, because uh, once the full-frame Canons came out, because I shoot mostly with 35mm and 50mm lenses, I, I got the Canon with a 1.4 35mm, and it was like shooting with a Leica in terms of um, you know, the kind of images I had to just get used to that had a much bigger thing in my hand. Mm -hmm. uh, but but um, it was kind of very natural transition for me because I don't use flash very much and just kind of have that straightforward, natural light approach to it. And um, and then when, when the digital Leica came out, um, that worked very well for me, even though that was a camera that probably had a lot of... Uh, uh, technically issues, but they didn't matter to me because it allowed me to shoot digital exactly the same way I was shooting film, same lenses, same same approach. And so that's why I was saying, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if it's film or digital. The picture is the important thing. And and maybe I'm completely delusional, but I think that you can't, a lot of times with my images, you can't really tell which one is digital, which one is uh, film. And I've done commercial jobs where, they, where I shot both and they mix the images like the same situation, like portraits where they took four images and some were digital, some were film, and you cannot tell. And and that's kind of how I approach it. I don't want digital to be something else. It's a fantastic tool, the same way film is fantastic. But I, you know, I'm not going out to your client saying, you know, I, I shoot film. It's like that's something I don't want them to think about. I want them to think about the pictures, the images. And, and I've always thought it should be up to the photographer, not the client, to determine that. But yeah. um, and the digital workflow, I love. I mean, I think it's fantastic and it's amazing, and and you know, and I'm glad that I can digitize film right away, and then just you know, it's part of the same workflow. That I find 
incredibly liberating and, and you know that's just all I think amazing and, and very inspiring and, and um, there's just you have so many options now it's, it's hard to stay focused yes very true that um, a lot of people struggle with that the I want to go into a little bit of each of your work separately if that's cool um, so we'll start with John I mean every time I show somebody your site Obviously, everybody talks about the Olivia portfolio. So talk about what that is uh, and just why you created that body of work, I guess. Olivia is my uh, eldest daughter. She's 17 now, and she has had a, a remarkable way her whole life of uh, dealing with a camera without changing anything she does. So... I've sort of never met a kid like that who doesn't mug or doesn't do anything. She just, she's just looking at me through the camera, so the camera is pretty invisible. Um, so I, two years ago, I added her to the website because it really exemplifies what I do. So for ad work and for magazine work, it uh, it gives it gives my clients an idea of my probably the, just the most natural part of my vision. Uh, it's always kind of funny putting your own kids on your website, but it's those pictures have a power to them that seems to speak to people. Yeah. I mean, I would even think that would help a lot for wedding clients. Um, seeing that timeless thing, like, you know, 17 years from now, you need to have these types of images, yeah. you know, from your wedding day or your family portraits or whatever. Well, it is funny because it's um, it gets back to all the pictures that are being made all the time with iPhones or pictogram or anything. It's it's we're all making pictures constantly, but are they pictures that are going to mean anything in 17 years? And um, so with Olivia, I never shot a ton of pictures of her, but I would just choose certain moments that seemed to me to be. I could tell these were going to be important moments, and I would one or two frames. So, you know, the picture of her going to her first day of school, or just these moments where she's in a kind of heightened reality, and the picture almost made itself. So it's as much a thing in photography about being in the right place and being patient and um, being aware. I'm going to jump into this. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, go tuned in. I think that's you know, for me, the work, he's totally, you know, watching and, and getting it and, and aware and there's nothing else on his mind. And, and he's, um, you know, so inspiring because it, it, um, it might have something to do with that. I was the youngest of six and there are four pictures of me from my whole childhood. <laughs> I remember my childhood very vividly, but not, there aren't any photographs of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I was doing this to make up for that, but I was just, uh, I was able to, as my kids are growing up, I can see these moments where it's a epic small moment. You know, it's, it's very, these are very small things that are happening in their lives, but they're, they're representing larger things. So, yeah. you know, I've always wished if I could write short stories, that would be, if I could change careers, that would be the, Dream career, but well, luckily you can't. Great pictures. Yeah, but it, it it is about observing and awareness and and it's a it's a fun consciousness to have. It's you know to to try to think about these things in a larger sense than you know just the day. <laughs> And it, I'm sorry, I shouldn't jump in, but it comes back to what we talked earlier is, you know, at that moment, you cannot think about paying the rent, and even though it's very important, and my wife would disagree with this problem. <laughs> it's a huge problem yeah. for me with this. But still, at that moment, you can't. At that moment, you have to focus on the picture, and, and afterwards, you have to think about this. Yeah. Uh, but separating this and then doing the best... You know, taking pictures and doing the best running your business, I think that's that's the challenge. Yeah, I mean, like, when I look at your work, John, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, the word, like, tenderness or 
family. I mean, there's a high level of sensitivity, which you guys have already talked about. And so, you know, when you're talking about being the youngest, I was, I was really curious on where, where that kind of sensitivity and tenderness came from, because I don't see it in a lot of photographers any, you know, right now. Uh, a lot of his stuff is more controlled, and this is like my cool concept, and it's I'm controlling the whole scene, and there's not that subtlety of just life, you know? Right. Well, it might be because I, I've never been able to work on concepts, and I've never been a high-concept guy, but it's also that I'm from a big family and uh, uh, big, very close Irish Catholic family, and I have a big extended family. Uh, and since 1971, we've had this family reunion every two years where a hundred of us are there for a week. So some of those pictures are from that mm. uh, project as well. So it's, uh, it, yeah, I mean, family is definitely a huge thing and it's, it's clearly why I work, you know, you, it's, it's all entwined. Yeah. My work is very entwined with my family and it, it does bleed over into weddings because I am so comfortable when I walk into a bride's house on a Saturday to shoot a wedding and there's chaos going on and her brother can't find his tux and the father's car got a flat tire, all that stuff. I just kind of look around and go, I'm home (laughs) (laughs) every weekend. So uh, I think early on, my first first five weddings, I realized this is an advantage I have over other people, which is... I'm very, very comfortable in chaos, in situations where there's family tension and there's family uh, sensitivity, where you need to be sensitive to things. And uh, and I'm fascinated by how people react in those situations. You know, are they going to be graceful under pressure? Or are they going to be uh, let each other down? And, so that's really what my pictures are most interested in, how people react under under this petri dish of a wedding. Yeah. Um, Holger, with your work, obviously, you know, the first thing is like the panoramic stuff uh, that you do. Uh, and I don't get to see a lot of panoramic work. So why do you like working in that such a narrow strip? You know, I would think they would present some advantages and maybe some disadvantages and just in the frame itself. Well, in, 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 you know, uh, one easy answer is that it's, it seems very natural to me. You know, that's how things are. You know, you have your your focus, you know, what looking straight ahead, but you have your peripheral vision, and that all becomes part of it. And so that the, you know, talking about the family panoramas, you know, this whole concept of telling a little narrative with one image you know, you're looking at one thing and there's the things to the right and the left that happen at the same time. That's kind of, you know, what inspires me to do this. And, and uh, I, I always, maybe it's even sometimes, you know, it's like when things are too tight, I always wonder what's to the right, what's to the left. And, and, and using wide angle all the time is, I find, very difficult and, and end up, then you end up with too much stuff. But for some reason, with the panorama, because it is, you know, narrow in terms of there's not much up, there's not much down, there's just a lot on the left and the right, um, that was just a very natural way of, of seeing for me. And, and I think that's, without thinking about it, that's always where I like panoramas and always taken them. And um, with the family panoramas, do they take it to the next step of kind of creating these little stories and also then working very differently than I usually work where I what's happening and with the panoramas I'm, I'm a little bit more of a director because the camera's in one spot and I'm there and kind of people have to move around me even though I don't really tell them what to do but it feels much more like a stage and I feel more like a director than when I usually take pictures where I'm bored to fly on the wall or the, the you know I, I'm just they're the guy with the camera, but I'm not there to tell anybody anything. And, and, and so, um, yeah, yeah. that's good. The other thing I was going to ask you about is you obviously seem to have like a connection with water, which I, I kind of do too a little bit. So I was curious what 
it is about water that you love so much. Well, I don't know. For that one, though? <laughs> I think, for me, it's something very unintentionally. And after it's I... A clear, it's a clear horizon. Yeah, so, well, I, you know, I'm Pisces. <laughs> there it is. For me, you know, it, it's... This is maybe I'm going too deep here now, but it's it's it, it's 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 life, and it's it's water is fear, water is sensation. I love water, I feel water, I um, and it it kind of attracts me. I can't get away from it, but also it makes me uncomfortable, and you know, so it's kind of you know, it's really pushing me, and I leave it. At that. Good. <laughs> wow, deep. I love it. That's good. Um, two last things. Um, what do you think that we need to do to make the specifically like the wedding industry better? We don't want to have anything to do with the wedding industry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, make it less of an industry and more of a little shop. <laughs> no, that's good. I love that. Um, well, we have we have talked about. Uh, uh, is there a slow? A slow food equivalent, a slow mm. photography equivalent to the slow food movement, slow wedding photography. Yeah. But in, in some way, some general way, you know, as a brand, we were just talking how if, if we were a, uh, I mean, if we were the photographers we admire, like Avedon and Irving Penn, things like, guys like that, who, who were classic until the day they died, or... Um, these well-crafted brands uh, that that exist over time and are known for quality. That's our shared approach. But for the wedding industry, I think it's, you know, I think it's always, I would just advise people to make their own niche and uh, not worry about the greater thing, the greater world. It's, if you can't control the whole whole wedding world, you don't need... 100 weddings a year, you need 10 or 15 or 20 quality weddings. It's, it's basically just quality over quantity. But if you want to do 100 and you're happy doing 100, do it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but you should always be honest to yourself. You know, if you dread going to a wedding or, you know, you're just going because, you know, you have to pay the rent, but you'd rather be at the beach, then you've got to rethink you know, your approach and are you doing the right thing or are you doing it in the right way? Well, we, I must say we've seen it over the years, the burnout where people took on, they got so into it really fast, got good really fast and then just took every wedding they could. And then by the end of the year or two years, they were so burnt and they'd spent all their chips. So, you know, I've always thought you have a limited number of weddings in your life you can shoot and, better spend those chips well. So, you know, f focus on getting the good brides and the brides you get you. And also, I love that food comparison yeah. because, you know, it's very similar because you're the chef. It's really hot in the kitchen. It's really hard work. You have to get up really early, get the good ingredients, get all this stuff. It's, you got to have real passion and love for it. And then the others are enjoying the meal, you know, while you're just kind of like, you know. Clean up. <laughs> exactly. And, if you like that, you can do it. Yeah. But if that's too much and you kind of, you know you're going to be burned out by this and you'd much rather have the meal, then again, you know, it's like, and, and then it's it's not, I don't think it's you doing the wrong thing and you should do something else. It's more a question of how can I change my approach to this? And, how can I, you know, how can I make weddings fun? How can I um, refresh them? Or, or what kind of, if you were a restaurant, what kind of restaurant would you be? Would you be a fast food or a mom and pop or, you know, I think right. that's, a, that's a fun way of playing. Yeah. High-end steakhouse or yeah, right. Italian, whatever, yeah. There, you know, there's fantastic Italian food and there's great French food, but they're very Well, it's different. It's, I mean, it's a funny game, but in a way, you it does work that you will attract those customers. So if you're a funky vegan restaurant the vegans will find you. So, um, you know, same with your photography brand. If you, if you make the niche and make it clear to the customer, you can't please everybody. Yeah. 
I was going to ask another question, but you guys just answered it. So, I just, which was like, what's the best advice for somebody that's like been in the business five years or less? Which I think that whole thing wrapped that up nicely. Well, <laughs> so. One other piece of advice I thought, which was yeah. study history of photography. Yeah, because a lot of the people we meet at workshops are have no idea that photography existed before 2004. <laughs> And it actually been around pretty, going pretty good. And that was my favorite thing in college was, uh, was reading literature and studying the history of photography. So there's a lot from there. And, and one thing I'm going to throw in there is like, because I guess we've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> you know, it never changes. Every day the problem, is yeah. the first day. Yeah. And it, and if you ever think you're going to get on top of the mountain, it's going to be different. Yeah. Not, I have never made that experience. <laughs> and I think it's a great thing because yeah. I feel like I'm 17. Right. And, you know, when I was 17, I wanted to be older. And now I'm older and I'm kind of, you know, glad I feel like 17 because it, it, it's a great thing. And it is true. Don't, don't your... envy other people because they're doing something you wish you were doing. I mean, That'll just drive you crazy. I think it, it is true. Every day you gotta, as a freelancer, every day you gotta look for new work and finish old jobs and work on your portfolio. So. Yeah, just do your craft. Yeah, exactly. Right. And 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 there's a lot of um, stuff around it that's very important that is not so obvious. Like with the food thing, it's like you gotta get up really early and get the good ingredients. It's not just yeah together and, and I think it's the same in photography you know there's a lot of work around it you know and and um, and you always have to keep that in mind yeah enjoy the process enjoy the process and don't neglect it you know mm -hmm. like um, yeah well that was ridiculously amazing <laughs> uh, that was yeah I, I had a lot of fun so thank you guys so much for coming on and kind of sharing your stories and your wisdom. I, I appreciate it. And I know a lot of people will get well, a ton, a ton out of that. Doing this and, 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 you know, I, I think the spirit is great.